hello, this is Baked and Bookish with your hosts, Maggie Boyer and Savannah Cruz. This is the podcast where we get really, really high and we talk about books. Sometimes they're our favorite books, sometimes they're our least favorite books, <clears throat> and sometimes they are everywhere in between. Uh, we do swear, we do talk about sex, we do spoil like the whole book because that's kind of the point of being here. So if you don't like those things, go ahead and kick rocks barefoot and kick out of this podcast. If you do like those things, be sure that you give us a little rating, a little follow, and enjoy. Yeah, let's get started. So this week we're doing Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. We need to do a couple trigger warnings here. Yes, there is some language that is used in the books, some words that can be triggering for racism, for ableism, for, you know, anti-LGBT. TQ plus and there is one mention of suicide we are going to do our best to like you know be good about our language but occasionally there are some icky perspectives of the sky actually more than occasionally but right the terminology is definitely Ooh! something that brings down the book but yeah uh, so we chose this book because it's a classic satirical novel a dystopian novel that i had researched had been like compared to 1984 because i liked some of the concepts of 1984 like the big brother big government like I liked the idea of shucking that um and like that kind of perspective so I was looking for something similar with a bit more oomph yeah because there's no oomph we were really like oh Animal Farm brought a really interesting discussion that like was very different from the rest of the season and you know it's, it's nice to have that in for an episode or two and so we really wanted to bring something similar to Animal Farm and so I feel like we kind of like looked up like oh alternatives to 1984 classics or whatever and this book came up. I have some opinions on like what we consider classics that uh a little radical. We'll get into that for sure. I definitely I mean I'm not like a book fan or I still think that like there's good to be learned from traditional classics but I also think like expanding what we think of as classics is really cool. So hopefully we will read some other older texts I think in future seasons that are from diverse perspectives from those times but I think it's also really interesting to read from the you know predominant this book also like it talks I, I feel like we're just kind of like, using much big words but like I feel like this book talks about like social hierarchies a lot absolutely but this guy is at the top of the social hierarchy in like his actual life in like real life and so I think it's interesting to read books oh but was he true true we'll get into that in the about section <laughs> right but like you know that's actually a great point but yeah basically like you know where where is he on the social hierarchy so he's a white male in right. the early 1900s so he was, you know, towards that upper of the hierarchy. He was a college-educated guy. Absolutely. And so I think it's interesting to read from that perspective, and I'm excited to also then pull in some other perspectives in later seasons in regards to classics. But that's my whole rant about classics today. Uh, this is a traditional classic that is an alternative to 1984, and so I am excited. And I really thought there were some interesting things about the plot, so uh, I gave it a shit rating, but it had a lot of cool potential. It did have a lot of cool potential. I think that uh, expanding going forward is going to be really cool looking at classics of different yeah. types and decolonializing like what our classics are yeah is a very interesting concept yeah. yeah i think it's very interesting and i like i we just said it's also important then to read this perspective too my favorite ted talk i talk about this a lot oh my god i can't believe i haven't even talked about this on the pod probably 
probably. My favorite TED Talk is The Danger of a Single Story. Mm. I've watched it so many times. And so, yeah, I think, like, getting into maybe also how his perspective was different than some other white males of his time. So who who the heck is Aldous Huxley? So he was born in the late 1800s. He started as a short story and poetry writer. <laughs> I don't want to claim. I do not want to claim him. <laughs> he was blind for two years and was disabled. I also still don't want to claim him. <laughs> and he's from England but moved to Hollywood in 1937 with his wife, his son, and his friend, Gerald. Which I thought was interesting. I was like, so you moved with your friend from overseas. That's interesting. Like a guy. I also then started going down the rabbit hole of, you know, is Aldous Huxley homosexual? And I found some interesting things. He not only moved with his friend, Gerald, he was really close with some out homosexuals. He was really close friends. And that doesn't mean that you're gay, but at the time, it is kind of interesting. To It's hard to be friends with gay people in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. Like Right, usually you only feel safe with other gay people. Yeah. You know, especially in such tumultuous times. Yeah. yeah. And he wrote, like, the foreword to a gay book for his friend, like, a, a book about a gay man. Right. And so I thought that that was all very interesting, that he had a lot of gay rumors and actually I saw one poll that was like 33% of voters which I don't remember where this poll like I it's well this isn't like a really big factual like right. thing but uh, like a third of the people who answered this poll thought that he was gay right so that's I it was interesting I just thought that was like hmm. yeah it might give us a little bit of a different perspective about who he was if he was queer yeah I think that a lot of things point to yes he was also big in advocating for psychedelic use he had mm-hmm. a lot of psychedelic experiences and went on to go and write about that and I think that influenced how he viewed totalitarianist societies which is the whole framework of the book. Yeah I feel like he like started getting towards some decent thoughts and then just like fell flat. Does that make sense? Like totally he still had a lot of like ingrained racism and internalized homophobia and whether or not he was gay still can have internalized homophobia. Absolutely. So, and then just like, you know, racism and colonial mindset that I think if he had broken down more, this story could have gone in some like really interesting directions. Ooh, that's a good um, thought. Yeah, definitely. Because, and now knowing that there's a second book. Yeah. Like a continuation, I didn't realize that those parts fit together. Yeah. His book Island is like the utopia that he felt like this book needed. Yeah. And we read a quote from him like, 20 years later where he was like oh I wish instead of just this like utopian society that I created that was the government based that had its own issues and the reservation of indigenous people which he used a different language but on the reservations I wish I had had like a kind of a third option that I still think had problematic aspects in his third option but he tried to be like somewhere in between maybe right yeah so that's a different Yeah, so uh, over the years, his opinions may have changed, but... Right, and I'm interested to go back and read Island, knowing that it's a part of this Uh in connection. Let us know if you guys want to hear us talk about that, if I should just read it and then report back in another episode, because it's not worth a (laughs) whole episode. That'd be fun, too. But yeah, no, I really think there's some really cool bases of this book. So, like, let's talk about the book, then. Right, it just throws you in. It's a dystopian novel. It's all about this... uh, we didn't do weed pairing. <gasps> what? How have we not smoked yet? Shame on us. Oh 
my gosh. So in this dystopian world, they have a little, like... Helicopter thing. Yeah, they get around on these, like, helicopters. So I brought out this bong today that is a little spaceship. And I call it our Planet Express from Futurama. Oh, that's cute. It looks like the Planet Express ship, I Well, I was like. thinking about, um, what was the pizza place in Toy Story with all the rockets? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. I grabbed this Planet Express bong because I thought it reminded me of the helicopters. So that is our weed pairing because I was about to smoke and then I was like, oh we shit. We didn't even introduce that. We didn't even do that. So uh, we'll, we'll smoke it smoke and then we'll tell you guys what the heck this book is about. You know what I hope's the classic? When what? We Were Birds. Oh my god. It needs to be a classic. I want that buried with me. I want that book buried <laughs> beside I, me. It's so good. You know what I'm also reading that I want to be buried with? What? Braiding sweetgrass. Oh my god, it's so good. Each essay is about a different lesson from a plant from an indigenous perspective. Ooh, that's beautiful. So good. That is. That sounds real good. Mm. Oh, I just recommended it to somebody on Twitter. They were like, I like fantasy. I like, you know, they, they liked a lot of things except for horror written by men. Because they mm. think that horror written by men is, like, particularly, like, just likes to traumatize women. 100%. And I was like, that's a really interesting perspective. I like that. Like, if you read horror, don't read horror by men. That's a good tip. <laughs> this also kind of reminds me of, like, seeing it from a more diverse perspective, like, with... We'll so, see, yeah. starting the book, yep. we started the hatchery, which is basically a factory where they mass-produce children. They have different cast systems for each child, so um, certain ones get more oxygen certain ones are more tailored and are even unique while others are multiplied so they take the embryos and they multiply them and this is all external this has no women involved really like <laughs> they literally try and create hundreds of twins that are the exact same and they classify them with greek alphabet like alphas alpha pluses deltas they use ableist language for like the lower caste the factory workers and like the very lowly working class that help like the alphas then do the intelligent like teaching and this that and the other and writing and that kind of stuff it's very interesting because it creates then like identical people and they put them through identical situations and conditions and they age the embryos like they make the embryos and by the time you like quote unquote like come out of these conditioned like hatchery you're like a full-grown adult yeah and it takes 12 years or something yeah and they brainwash you while you're in there they even torture some of them to condition them against certain things based on their cast is what kind of quotes or little manner I don't even know what to call it. Little... It's like a psychological conditioning and like while you're sleeping, they give you little mantras almost. Yes, exactly. Um, And so it's like one of our characters, he loves to reference them. And so he's like, everyone belongs to everyone 300 times every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from ages 13 to 14 or whatever. And so like you get literal phrases that are just ingrained in you that you sleep through constantly repeated to socially condition. Right. So at this point, you're like, what's happening? Basically, you're getting shown around the hatchery and it's bopping back and forth between some different perspectives. This was hard. (laughs) 
the first 30% of the book I just, like, really did not like. Again, really cool idea. Right. That there are twins that are replicated and psychologically conditioned. I was like, oh my god, this is fucking cool. Right. But, but it, it is an info dump. It's an info dump, but also it ping-pongs between, like, you're hearing from Lenina, who is one of our main characters, talking to her friend Fanny. And then you're also hearing from Bernard and him talking to his friend Henry, two of our other characters. And then you're hearing the director tell all about the hatchery and do his info dump and it's literally like every third sentence you're switching perspectives and it's not saying whose perspective you're in sometimes it's just like words and I was so confused ah! I get that I get that it was a little jerky I think that it helped because I listened to the audiobook so somebody was doing a slightly different uh, cadence with it and it broke it up a bit and put me in the perspective more and then I was able to hear it more as like a spoken word kind of it was very poetic prose. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. With a lot of info dump of big words, which I didn't love either. Totally. But, yeah, I think that does make a difference. I personally, like, cannot get into audiobooks. I just, too ADHD for that. Like, it's so hard for me. And so, yeah, I was trying to read it, and it was a lot. It was very confusing and frustrating, and it took me, like, a week to get through the first 30%. And then once you get past that hurdle, it's... It, it was decent after that. I don't know so. why they had the narrative start that way for so long. Ugh. Like, it felt like the effect could have been done... For in a much shorter introduction. Agreed. And then moved on. Five to ten percent, or if it had, like, started normal and then done that for a little bit and then gone back or something like that. It was just, for me, a lot. I can see, again, I thought the concept was really cool. It was very poetic. I can see that if you're somebody who does enjoy audiobooks, that that would work. I can totally see that. But I was just like, oh! (laughs) And it was written in the 30s, way before audiobooks, so... That's true. (laughs) No, that's certain. <laughs> no offense to you. Uh, that, this is full offense to the author. Oh, yeah. Aldous Huxley, I have some words for you. <laughs> right? So they create these perfect, quote-unquote, people to staff their uh, factories and to run the government and that kind of thing. And they stay youthful. Yes. So, like, they just, like, inject them with vitamin C and, like, it's not Botox, but, like, collagen and things like that. Some of it wasn't super scientific. Like, everybody had lupus. Yeah. (laughs) Like, almost everybody had lupus. And I was like, how are they not on all these drugs? And how are they not getting treatments? And how are they managing all these jobs with lupus? Like, okay. Summer. No, true. So they all like are getting these like vitamin C and no wrinkles. So everybody looks eternally like the same age for their entire life, basically. But they all die before they're 60 because they're being worked to death. And like you just mentioned, they're all taking Soma, which is kind of like alcohol mixed with psychedelic, I feel like. It's somewhere right. in between, but it doesn't give you any hangover. And so anytime they're done with work and they're having big emotions or questions about society or literally anything or anxiety, they take a half gram to a gram of Soma and yeah. they go on a Soma holiday. Made me think about, like, uh, different kinds of molly and <laughs> ecstasy. Like, that's what I'm envisioning is, like, oh, they go, they do a bunch of... <laughs> 
a bunch of that and then they just all go have orgies and stuff because that's another aspect of society is that they're conditioned to have sex with each other all the time but never for procreation it's strictly never. recreational and they're not allowed to be like monogamous they're forced like mandated polyamory like if you hook up with the same person for a couple weeks everybody start and nobody else everyone starts talking about you right which and is like, what happens to Lenina one of our main characters yeah or Lenina Lenina I Lenina. think I kept reading it as like Lenina. I kept thinking Lenina but yeah Lenina I think is how he said it in the in the audiobook. But yeah, so then she's been like hooking up with this guy, Henry, and she's like, okay, well, I've been hooking up with him for like weeks and weeks, and I don't want to hook up with anybody else. This guy, Bernard, who's kind of weird, who might have accidentally got alcohol on his alpha embryo or whatever, he's kind of weird, but he likes me, so he wants me to go on holiday with him over the summer to New Mexico to visit the indigenous reservation, which all throughout the book, I think it is important to note that, like, they call the indigenous people and the people who haven't, like, conformed to this big, perfect utopian society, quote-unquote, they call them savages. Yep, that's the language used. Yep, and so it's very, like, direct and violent, and they very much, like, have the view of these people as lowly. They think that they're all unhappy because they don't have, like, perfect utopia, and they are have monogamy and jealousy and this, that, and the other, and they and get old. There's a connection with nature. There's this religious aspect. And these are all things that they classify as, like, dirty and dividing and all that stuff. Yeah, it, like, disrupts the happiness. It's a very utilitarian society of, like, everybody just needs to be happy and work for the greater good and not make any waves. But in these reservations, everybody's making waves and having fights and this, that, and the other. And so it's very looked down upon and most people can't go. But Bernard is like way up in the government and he's like I want to go and they're like okay you can go but you gotta talk to the director about it and the director is like yeah I went like 20 or 40 years ago or whatever I went out to the reservation with my friend Linda and we were hooking up and then she got separated from me I guess she died out there in the woods and I went home (laughs) right and he was like they had given him a bunch of soma for what had happened because he was quite panicked whenever it happened and was like trying to demand to find Linda and stuff and like nobody was really listening to him about it so he's just kind of repressed it and taken Soma this whole time to Uh try to get past it. Yeah it's really intense and so he's basically like warning him like you'd better be careful if you want to bring Lenina out there but like go for it. So they go out there and they go out to the reservation and Lenina is so grossed out she's so skittish about like everything. She's like oh there's a piece of dirt powder myself with my scented soap and I don't have Samoa every 20 seconds. I have to wait till I'm back at the house to get my Samoa. Like, in like 12 hours. And so then they, like, leave the house and they go like to the actual reserve and actually meet people. And when they show up, there's kind of like a ceremony going on. A sacrifice. Which I also think it was interesting that they chose to, like, make a, he chose to make a sacrifice as, like, what we saw. There's plenty of ceremonies, I'm sure, in indigenous cultures that do not involve sacrifice. Right. And the fact that he, like, wanted to make them look so bad and grotesque that, like, he had to do, like, human sacrifice. Right. Well, it was something about, like, how you had to sacrifice for God or something, and it 
was trying to like exemplify like the negative quote unquote side of this religion so that you wouldn't think that this was a utopia either. Yeah. Like they had to, for some reason they had to make that clear. And so Lenina and Bernard, who's the guy, I don't know if we ever really said his name. Maybe. The weird guy. Oh yeah, we said the weird guy Bernard. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he's, he's so a weird. guy that's uh, slightly off. Everybody thinks that he's got spiked with alcohol, as you said, like during the growing process. He is inherently skeptical of this society. He seems, he's been refusing Soma. He hasn't really been dating around more because girls don't actually want to hang out with him than anything, but he seems to deny that fact. He literally, <laughs> when he is hanging out with Lenina back in Utopia, he like tries to talk to her about the ills of the current society, and she gets so anxious talking to him for like less than five minutes, and she starts like screaming and needing Samoa, and I'm like, she literally can't deal with any emotions. Like, that's that's the pitfall, I feel like, in this kind of, like, utopian society where you're forced to be happy and no other emotions are dealt with. You're not actually happy. You're just disassociating. 100%. And that's why they don't let them be alone. Yeah. And anytime you tap into emotion, it gets really overwhelming really quickly. Right. Bernard's like, let's go be alone and just, like, talk to each other. And she starts, like, hyperventilating. <laughs> like, it's a whole thing. And she's like, no, we have to go be with other people. Let's go party! Yeah, and he's like, like uh, let's go take Soma. <laughs> And so they get to the reservation and all these people are running around with instruments and snakes and all these things. And they have a depiction of Jesus and Pocono or something, which is their other god. Right. Which I thought was really weird that he was like, okay, there's going to be Jesus and God and another god. I thought that the choice to put Jesus in there was weird. Like, I guess that he wanted to shoot shots at Christianity. Or at indigenous cultures for being, in his mind, blasphemous. But, like, in their culture, they're not being blasphemous. Right. So it's not blasphemous. But it, I just thought it was really weird that he, like, did this. I don't really know the point of it. Yeah. It just I, seemed like a weird jab at someone. Yeah. Unclear. Yeah, I didn't really... <laughs> it didn't lead me to feel any sort of way he, about it either. He threw in a lot of weird jabs at, like, all different societies, and it made it really hard to tell his, like, opinion on anything. Exactly. He didn't have one specific... <laughs> Thing. And so he sh- they show up at this reservation and they're doing the ceremony and they run into this like building and they have all the snakes everywhere and then a boy starts whipping himself or getting whipped and right. it's to show pain or something sacrifice and the boy dies and Lenina just thinks it's horrible. And then out comes this blonde white man who looks different than everybody else and she's like, oh, which I thought was just like, bro, you didn't think anybody on the reservation was hot until you saw a white dude? Right. Uh, Okay. Okay. Okay, so their utopia must not include people of color, like, or something. Something like that. I don't know. (laughs) It's also, like, she hasn't seen anybody that hasn't had all these treatments her whole life, like, and all of a sudden this guy is just, like... Super attractive to her? Super attractive. But everybody else in the society is... is gross? Yeah, everybody else in the society is gangly and, like, icky to her. Oh, yeah, and then seeing old people, that was crazy. Oh, yeah. She was so grossed out. She was like, what's wrong? with them why do you let them get old and it's like bro that's just life and then she's like and so she meets this guy and his name is john and she's like whoa what are you doing here like how are you here and like why are you different and he's like well my mom was from your society or a different society and got left here come meet her and Mm -hmm. it is linda the director's baby mama also how did this happen 
Yeah, because apparently she, like, took her birth control and everything, but then still got pregnant. And she got pregnant with the director's baby, but then fell down the ravine while very early in pregnancy, not knowing she's pregnant. Fell down into the ravine, got left by the director, and then she was rescued by the tribe, and she, like, barely lived, but lived. And they decided to, like, save her, but then they treated her like shit, which I thought was also a choice. A racist choice on this author's part. Well, um, that's because she's sleeping with all of their men because she's like, I'm for everybody and everybody's for me. I've been trained to have sex all the time. Give me your husband. Yeah, so she like <laughs> survives. They nurse her back to health. And then, yeah, she sleeps with everybody's husband. Everybody in this society is monogamous. You get married. You don't have sex until you're married. And then she's like, I'm going to fuck everybody in this tribe. And so, yeah, she definitely gets her fair share of hate from the women and some of the men and she definitely gets assaulted she gets older she grows really bitter because she doesn't have like Samoa to deal with her issues and so she just drinks their alcohol mezcal mezcal, and like different drugs and she gets like hungover and she's like it's bad because you don't get like the non-effects and the no hangover that you get with Samoa she just is not a good parent she's very neglectful and abusive to John totally because she's been conditioned to think that having a baby is disgusting like they yeah have abortion towers in this you're not allowed to have world. a baby you're basically. not allowed to have a baby at all. It can only be through the hatchery. Nobody has a mother. That's like a dirty word in this society. It's like very gross and vulgar to think of that. And not in the reservation, but like in the utopia. And exactly. then she comes to this society and she's like, they're all mothers and I'm a mother and I'm bad for being a mother. And so she's like a really shit mother. Right. And he learns to read, read Shakespeare, all this stuff. He's kind of ostracized by the other kids because, you know, all of their parents hate his mom. So like it just kind trickles down or whatever. Right, and he doesn't get to be a part of the sacred yeah. ceremonies or anything because he's not truly belonging to yeah. their society. Which, which is... I, again, still thought, like, there was, like, a mix of sexism and racism and all of that. Like, it was just a very interesting... Yeah. And so, then he doesn't fit in. He doesn't feel happy. He still does all of the rituals himself. Yeah. He does them, like, by himself. Puts himself through a lot of, like, pain and self-flagellation yeah. and abuse. He crucifies himself on Literally. purpose. It was wild. So Bernard is hearing all this, and Bernard has been in trouble for his heretics lately. Like he's been very, <laughs> he's he's been very he's on thin ice. Yeah, he's on thin ice. He's been very counterculture, which is not cool, and it's known. So he's trying to make a good look for himself, and he sees all this going down, and he's like, "This is my ticket out of this situation." He says, "We gotta study John and Linda." Yes, we I'm gotta. gonna take them back. Yeah. So he calls the director and the world controller and all the people, and he's like, I need to take these people back with me. And they're like, okay, bring them. And he gets shot to the top of society. So does Lenina. They're both in, like, hot commodities. Oh, they're, yeah. Oof. And John. John's John is being used as a literal commodity. Yeah. He is being, like, he's being invited to these dinners where he's just kind of interrogated and questioned. Prodded. Observed. Yeah. And kind of told he's backwards and he's not good and these things and Bernard is just like getting sleep with women because of this he's finally like I love sleeping with women I like he's like I don't know why I didn't like this before and I'm like it's because you weren't getting none truly literally you were just being a little bitch boy before truly literally and he's given up his thing for Lenina because 
he just all of a sudden bails on that whole thing. Now John is obsessed with her because why would we have a female <laughs> female uh, character that's actually portrayed as anything but? And like there was one point when they were back on the reservation and John like broke into their safe house while Lenina was on like a bunch of Samoa and like laying in bed and he like touched all her clothes and watched her sleep and it was just like very Edward Cullen reminisce. <laughs> like I was just like ew. I texted Savannah I was like this is gross. And yet he has not really pursued her now that they're in Utopia. And she is getting with all these high baller, high rollers, like the top, top people. And she and Fanny are just like, ooh, but she kind of likes John. Yeah, she really wants John to make the move. Yeah. She's just doing all this other stuff because she has to because that's like what yeah. people do in the society. They have to sleep around. Because we got to give the people something. <laughs> yep. Apparently. That's what they did. They, they gave literally, them drugs, uh, games, and sex. They literally, like, have mandated, like, weekly orgies. Yeah. Like, you're forced to go have sex in a room with a bunch of people while watching, like, a pornographic film. Yep. Literally. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're at. So, John is like... Okay, let's go on a date or whatever if we have to. And right. Lenina's like, ooh. So like, I'm a date, and then they go back to the room, and she starts stripping, and he's like, you're a freaking whore. Yeah. And he freaks out, and he starts hitting her, and he starts calling her all these names, and he just, like, flips out. And I thought this was, like, the beginning of, like, the worst purity culture arc of this whole thing. Like, it was awful. I hated the purity culture John ended up embracing, but he was like, ugh, you're awful. So she went and hid in the bathroom, put on all her clothes or whatever, and... He gets a call that whisks him away. Uh -huh. His mom, Linda, was brought back to the society too, but all she does is go on Soma vacation. She's laying in a bed. They've told him that her heart is gonna give out. Um, and he's like, why? And they're like, it's because we're giving her so much Soma. And he's like, what? And they're like, yeah, this is basically like alcohol or drug or something, and it hurts everybody's heart. So we're finding out not only are people worked to death, which is why they die early, they're getting pumped full of this thing that they think has no side effects. Right. And it's killing them. It's keeping them in this docile state for the people in power, and then it's just killing them quickly. And they're like, well, isn't it be better to have happier years than more years suffering is kind of the thought process of the masses in this case. It's, yeah. It was really wild. Well, and the masses don't even know. The right. masses don't know that they're dying from this shit. Right. I don't know that they would be that happy about it if they knew that. They think that it has no side effects, and it's only the people in power who really know that it's I thought like, that's uh, Lenina did. Well, I guess it's uh, upper classes, too, and Lenina's mm -hmm. upper class. Yeah, and I don't even really feel like she knows that much, like about that. Right. Because I, I feel like almost no one really realizes it. Because also, like, Bernard's thing isn't even that it's bad for him. No, he just His says, whole thing is, like, he just doesn't want to be clouded, and he doesn't like society. He likes and... to think and sit by himself, which is exactly what he's not supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly what he, he wants to do. He just likes do. to be anti for whatever reason. And so it's not even like, oh, I know this is bad for me. Like, no one's really acknowledging that it's bad for them, except for the doctors. I really feel like it's like right. only a few like people know. And so John is like, oh my God, this is bad for people. And he goes and he runs to his mom's bedside because she's been on, like you said, Samoa holiday for weeks or months. Yes. And it's 
killing her, and so she's dying. Right. And he is there, and they have all of these, like, young people come in, and they're like, yeah. Death conditioning. I was going to say, they're going to just, like, watch all these people die, because it's called death conditioning. And they're like, yeah, you just have to, like, normalize death, so we just, like, make the kids watch death. Right. And he's like, what the fuck? And he loses it. And he starts yelling. His mom dies. He starts yelling. He starts yelling at the teens. He starts throwing Soma everywhere. He's like, don't take this. This stuff is bad. And they're like, no, take it, take it, take it. And then they're like, John, you gotta get out of here. And he goes out. Hemholtz is helping him, too, which is a friend. At this point? No, not yet. So, I was gonna say, he runs out into the street, and I think that's when he calls his friends. And they all were, Bernard and Hemholtz are hanging out at Bernard's. And talking. And John goes out into the streets, and he goes out during a shift change. Mm. And he sees all the Deltas leaving their shift and being given Soma by the people. And he had just watched his mom die, just try and stop the Soma thing upstairs, and it didn't work. So he, like, runs up, and he starts trying to, like, throw the Soma everywhere from these boxes. And he's, like, yelling, screaming, and Himholtz and Bernard show up. And Himholtz is like, honestly... That's not a bad plan. And Hemholtz is just one of these other guys, and he is a teacher who helps write the, like, quotes that they get repeated. Mm-hmm. The but, mottos that they get put into their brains. Yeah, but he's really smart, and he wants to write, like, more divisive and poetic things, mm-hmm. and they keep shutting down his ideas, and they're like, mm, you're getting a little, little, hmm. And so he's been kind of like, Mm, about society and he sees John doing this and he's like you know what fuck yeah John and so he runs out and he starts throwing the Soma everywhere too and Bernard just kind of freezes he doesn't help yeah he was trying to get out of there (laughs) for a minute he teetered on the edge of like helping and then he was like nah hell no he was like fuck this shit but regardless they all got taken down (laughs) yeah so the police come in and I thought it was interesting that this is the first time you see police because they've made society so docile that, like, you don't need police. But as soon as the police come in, they're in, like, full riot gear. Like, it's intense as soon as the cops are there. And so, yeah, they come in and they start spraying, like, aerosol Soma. And everybody just kind of, like, devolves into, like, giggles and, like, lays down and falls asleep or something. And John and Himholtz and are, like, taken in. And Bernard's like... I'm just going to walk out this door. And they're like, hey, you. And he's like, me, I didn't do anything. And they're like, like, we know you. Come on, you're their friend. Even if you didn't do nothing, you're friends with them. Which I think is a great point about how fascism works. That's true. We didn't talk about this, but it's like people often think that like, oh, they're going to stop at a certain point. But they won't. Right. And so it's like, I mean... Not to get too political, but, like, people currently, like, with trans legislation, like, a lot of people are like, oh, they'll stop at trans people. Oh, they'll stop at queer people. Oh, they'll stop at people of color and black and indigenous people. Oh, they'll stop at women's rights and abortion. They're not going to stop at any of them. No. So that's kind of, like, what this shows is, like, if you're friends with someone who is divisive, you're labeled as divisive. Truth. And you are labeled a criminal. And so they take them all in to meet Mr. Bond, the world controller of the Western Europe. (laughs) And they're brought in for their crimes. 
And this is like a really weird part where then they're told like, hey, we kill some people, but also other people, we just let them go to an island and do their own thing. Like you guys can go wherever you want. That's uh, not part of current civilization. Right. You just pick a spot and we'll send you there and you can just live in isolation and think your little crazy thoughts. But we can't have you here influencing the mass population with your beliefs, you know? Oh, which I thought was interesting. And of course, Hamilton's is like, hell yeah, ship me out, bro. Bernard was mad because he wasn't going to be sleeping around with anybody. Bernard freaked out. Bernard was like, I'm not a part of this. Kill me, kill me. And threw himself at the director and was like, kill me, fucking kill me. And they put him on Soma Holiday. And then Finn, he starts talking to John. And I thought that this part is really interesting. He starts talking to John and he's like, yeah, I was smart like you. And I thought like, oh, we should have art and the Bible and this, that, and the other like you did. And they told me I can either go to an island or I can stay here and be a controller and keep order. And I realized, yeah, texts like the Bible and faith and emotions and parents and trauma destabilizes things and makes for a messy earth and doesn't allow for the upper classes to like be in comfort and having too many alphas or people who have their own unique thoughts and are smart and this that and the other will create destabilization you need the epsilons and the deltas that we control their oxygen levels and, and make just do their bidding and stuff and he's like so we've locked up all these texts and he's like i've got this drawer with freaking the bible and shakespeare and this that and the other and all these texts that are nowhere else in this world and yeah it's very interesting and it just to me brought up like we were talking about this being a classic and it's like when you google 1984 alternatives this is like the one that comes up right But at the same time, this book is full of racism, full of slurs, full of just, like, awful language, awful ideas. And I know that these ideas were, like, quote-unquote more prevalent, but I don't even think they were because we see how prevalent they are still today. They were just more okayed back then. Right. And they were more like, oh, this is still politically correct, ha ha ha. And, I don't know, it's just like other books were written at this time by diverse authors, and they don't all have quite the level of this. I mean, everybody lived and lives in a racist patriarchal society, so like everything, every text from this time and from every time has some of it. But if you read like a work from Frederick Douglass at this time, it's not going to have like quite the same like vitriolic racism that this has. And so it's like, okay, what books are we picking as our classics? But also like what books were destroyed during book burnings and book bans? And how do we expand our classics and say, you know, yeah, this was the prevalent thought process by most people and by the ruling class. And so these are our traditional classics. But these are other books that were written at this time by diverse authors that could be classics if we read them. Truth. Yeah. And I think that that's a great prompt for any listeners that want to give us any classics from diverse authors that could broaden Mm -hmm. our perspective. I'm specifically interested in kind of like the dystopian future predictions from that time period. Like the early 1900s. Yeah. Because like... I want to know. Grow my ecology of how I view this. Yeah. Because I mean, I... we, We were talking about like fact that they use the words like 
queer negatively and savage and things like that and I texted Savannah about that and she's like yeah I would have like wanted to hear about like or read the same premise written in like the 80s or something exactly didn't have quite as much vocally racist like remarks and I was like yeah absolutely because it would have been like really interesting because I really did feel like had like an interesting premise of you know a bunch of twins and upper ruling class and like psychological experiments and social conditioning it was really cool and interesting but there was just a lot of negatives I also didn't like the like ping pong beginning or the info dumps so like there were some other things I just didn't like But, yeah, I just, I would be interested to see other works that, like, aren't when you Google classics, like, 1984, that just don't come up. Right. You know? Because, again, like, this is just, like, what comes up when you Google that. Right. And the the last scene is just, like, a big reason of why you didn't like the book, too, right? Because of the purity culture of the end. Yeah, so, like, they have the whole thing where they're like, yeah, we're controlling the books that people read. Which I think is what has happened in society. Like, it's very topical of, like, what happened at the time with the Nazi book burnings, what's happening now with book bans and things like that. Totally. But then he's like, okay, Bernard, Hemholtz, you guys can go to an island. But we want to keep experimenting on John. John, you can't go to the island. And John is like, fuck you! Right. And so he just bolts. And he leaves, and he finds some, like, isolated lighthouse. And I hated this part, because he just, like, felt all weird about, like, the sexual culture and, like, the technology and the lack of, like, spirituality and faith. So he's like, I'm getting rid of all that stuff, except for, like, some pots and pans and things. And even that, he was like, I have to earn by self-flagellation. Yeah. And he would start, like, whipping himself to earn these things. And it's like, if something is, like, bad, you shouldn't, like, earn something bad. You should just find, a ba- like, a non-bad alternative that makes you happy. But also, what are we considering bad? Right. <laughs> something that just genuinely improves people's lives and doesn't harm people, like a pot in a pan, is a good part of the future. Right. Uh, there might be bad parts of the future, but you can use a pot in a pan without, like, needing to deserve it. Right. And then also, his sexual thoughts. If he had any sort of sexual thoughts, he would start harming himself. Right. And I thought it was, like, so anti-sex culture. I thought it was just, like, really purity culture, super not fun. And so then, he's doing all this, and some people see, and they tell reporters, and... Because they're like, that's wacky. (laughs) In in the society where all of us are happy and doing our thing, people are hurting themselves, like, for religious or spiritual... What is religion? Yeah. Like, they're like, what is that word? I've never even thought about a higher power or, like, having to deserve anything. Yeah. You know? And so it all blows up and a bunch of reporters come and he starts, like, chasing people with the whip and, like, hurting other people and it's just, like, this whole thing. And then they're like, ooh, we feel something. And the only way we know how to process our feelings that isn't Soma is sex. Yeah. And so then after he whips someone, they all just have a freaking orgy. Yep. And so he has a big old orgy with everybody that he participates in. Mm-hmm. He wakes up the next morning, hates himself for it, and then hangs himself. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> what in the fuck is the lesson here? 
what which society do you hate the quote-unquote primitive horn is what he called it society of quote-unquote savages that you like demonize through this whole thing or the utopia is what he calls it is what Aldous Huxley calls it the utopia that then is like sex and drugs that then makes one of our main characters kill himself and that's the end of the book which where is the like what is the lesson is it that both societies are bad and that you need a middle third ground? Is that, like, the lesson here? Like, I... Right. And so <laughs> that's the main reason that I'm interested in trying to read Island again. Because with that perspective, Aldous Huxley said that he wrote this as a continuation of that middle ground. Like, what the ideal, actual utopia of the situation kind of would have been. Because I was just like, I, I don't understand what the point of this was. I don't understand where your opinion is, sir. I don't understand what you hate. I don't get it, because I just, I don't know, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just, uh, you can't trust going totally, fully trusting of the government, because in order to effectively stabilize ourselves to that degree... You gotta give up a lot. You gotta give up a lot. So, what is it? Are you gonna take stability? Are you gonna take uh, unpredictability and ugliness and dirtiness in exchange for that? And I think that he wants you to. I think he wants you to dig into it. Yeah, it's just his language makes it so yeah. confusing. Yeah, that's like, a big read, barrier. Yeah, we read, like, a, and, and not even his just, like, racist language or whatever, but, like, we read a quote from him from 20 years later, and he said, the utopian society and the primitive horn society, and it just, like, utopian means perfect, and so it's, like, confusing right. when he refers to it as this utopia, and I know that he means, like, this fake perfect. Right. But, like. Do and, you think he had the word for dystopian by then? Maybe not. Have they written dystopian by then? I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, really, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know either. I really don't know either. I just, like, was, when I was reading quotes from him, I was very confused where his, like, actual line was. But I do think that he probably wanted somewhere in the middle. But again, he was not very communicative. And he was also, like, having a fight with another author, apparently, about, like, what perfect society would actually look like. And they just kept writing books back and forth. Like, every two years, one of them would, like, come out with a book. And it was, like, basically diss tracks towards each other. And so I, funny. Like, I was, like, when I read that, I was like, oh. So I feel like you to really understand each of their perspectives, you actually have to read like each one in that order. Totally, you know, because it was really a response to the other, and so you would that understand kind of fun. more. That would be fun, despite the- <laughs> despite the fact I hated this book. Like I actually hated it. But, like, that might, that's interesting. It's, right. It's interesting to understand the thought process deeper because I do think that that's important. Hence the, like, the danger of a single story. I think it is kind of important to understand this perspective that was the, like, societal hierarchy and, like, he was at the upper echelons of society. As long as you are reading also perspectives from other diverse authors that weren't at the upper echelons because then you can understand how was society structured, who was structuring it that way, and what stories were being oppressed and put away totally and you need both perspectives to get the full story diversifying yeah absolutely so, uh, so also you gotta know your enemy 
I don't know which one you're thinking is your enemy. I know which one I think is my enemy, but, you know. Wait, speaking of enemies, let's roll in the sesh fuck kill. Oh, man, who are you seshing with? Who are you fucking and who are you killing? So, I'm thinking I want to sesh with Lenina. She seems like she be hitting that Soma and having a good old time. She hitting it hard. hard. She wants to go out dancing on some Soma with you. That's, and wouldn't that be fun? And then, and then smoke a little. You know? Yeah. And twirl around a little bit. Yeah. What's the harm? What's the harm? No hangovers because that would uh, ding productivity. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's the only reason. Hemholt is who I would fuck. Uh, he's the poetic guy so that really had the radical thoughts with I... the mantras. He just seemed deep and like as I was reading it, I was actually attracted to him, which is wild. I saw you say that and I was like, Damn it, I kind of wanted to fuck him. But I chose somebody else, but because there was another one. But yep. I, that was a good choice, basically, is what I'm saying. I approved 10 out of 10. You gotta tell me about it. Yeah. And the one that I hate, I'm killing Bernard. He, he was is annoying. He was annoying. He didn't stay solid in what he believed. Like, we were introduced to him as a character that we thought was gonna be, like, holding the torch and, like, kind of being, like, this like this hero kind of figure in this uh, dystopian world. And then he just, like, turned he, into this shriveled, disgusting man that didn't stand for anything. He feels like the kind of guy who, like you friend zone and he like still wants to be your buddy buddy and like thinks he has a chance really is what it is and like he's like yeah no I'll stay your friend I just really want to be like your friend and blah 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 and like you stay friends with him for a while and then he tries again Truth. and then you're like dude what did you not get I friend zone you and then he gets mad and yes flips, you I know agree. That's who Bernard seems like, so I approve of your... I don't approve of Lin... Well, nah, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, I approve of For the situation that I picked her for, it wasn't like I picked her to marry her. Yeah, you're right, you're right. 10 out of 10 list. That's a good list. That's a good list. (laughs) What's your list? Well, I really want to sesh with Mond, the world controller of Western Europe, like the last guy who's read all the books, because I feel like he's the only one who's, like, truly educated. And that's not anyone else's fault. It's true. Like, they are, they've withheld education from these people, but he's the only one who, like, has any sort of, like, understanding of religion, poetry, anything. Like, even him, Holtz, like, wants to be a poet, but he has no, like, framework for it. Like, there's totally. not any poetry he's read. He's just read these statements. No, nope. all he knows is that he in his heart wants to write something meaningful. And I think he will, and he'll do a great oh. job. I just think that also it's sad, because, like, you become a better writer by reading, and so to then withhold like the poetics from somebody who wants to be a poet is sad. It is. And I feel like Mond is kind of the only one who like knows anything about that kind of stuff. So I want to smoke with him. Good idea. I want to fuck Henry because I mean he's fucking everybody left and right. Yep. Even while he's consistently fucking Lenina. Yeah. And so, like, and they're all satisfied. They're and, all and happy customers. Lenina is literally only with him for like weeks on end at the beginning of the book. Like she is, and girl has a sex drive. Yeah, yeah, girl really has a sex drive, and he, she is satisfied. So it, it must be good. It must be. It must be good. And so that's what I was thinking when I was like hearing all that. I was like, damn, he must be good. And then I would probably kill John because I. Just, oh, like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like. I thought he, I mean, like, I feel bad he was, like, excluded or whatever, right. but I also thought he was, like, really mean, too. And, like, it was a result of his life, but, like, 
He didn't have to be as much of a dick he as was he a was, dick. for sure. He was a dick. And, 100% like, true. he internalized a lot of misogyny from everywhere, which was, like, so weird because, like, his mom was, like, really liberal and stuff. So, like, he really could have gone the opposite, where he could have been, like, sex is cool, guys. Like, why are you, you know? But, like, he decided to, like, praise the monogamy that was, like, the culture he was raised in, which is fine. Like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't care. But, like, I don't know. He was just... But to put it on somebody else to have the same values as you, like, you can be disappointed without wanting to throttle somebody and And when you're saying, like, hey, I like you, and you invite them back to their room and stuff, and that's their culture, her taking off her clothes and thinking she gonna get some is not her fault. Like, no, she, she was, was under the f- framework that, like, this is what's happening. If she had, like, come on him and started assaulting him, that'd be different. But he totally. ended up assaulting her. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. And, like, like everything up until that point was, like, consensual. She really thought, like, hey, we're going towards consensual sex. Like, That's let me true. start stripping. And I'm sure she would have put her clothes back on because she, like, multiple times respected his boundaries prior to this. Right. You know? And so I'm sure she would have had he... She would have been, like, she would have slurred him and been, like, he's a weirdo with a slur. <laughs> right. You know? But she would have left just, just being, like... <sighs> I'm just gonna go take some Soma. You know, like, that's what she would have done. She wouldn't have, like... And so... Yeah. I thought that was... So I would kill him, because I did not like his whole end arc. And even before that, he wasn't, like, great. That's true. That's true. Well, I'm gonna just say, for my book reading, I felt a lot like you did about, like, the premises being good. Like, I liked the idea of, like, oh, this big brother government, what are the pitfalls, what are, like, how is this society grown, what kind of weird features it has was really interesting to read. It was very staggered at the beginning, and there's a lot of problematic stuff in there, so I'm gonna say 2.5 out of 5. I like a a 2.5, like, middle of the road. Yeah. I really thought this, like, the premise and general idea at the beginning was good, but I also just, like, felt like there was so much info dumping. I felt like, I feel like you disliked the ping pong, but I, like, hated the ping pong. Does that make sense? Like, you were like, okay, yeah, this isn't my favorite, but I was like, intense hatred, I don't want to read this, and it just really put me off, because if you, like, don't even want to get through the first third of the book, like, you don't want to keep reading. Totally. Absolutely. And it got better. There were still some info dumps after that, and then the ending was horrible, and so it was like, the last 10% was awful. Actually, not the last 10%, because I liked the Mond stuff. The last 5% was awful, and the first 30% was awful. So, in my opinion. But again, really cool premise, which is why it's not like 0 or 1, but I'm going with a 2 out of 5. Okay, that's pretty solid for what it was, you know? Yeah, again. I think that this is a classic. I can see why, based on what people had access to, this became a classic. But also... Damn, I want some diverse perspectives from this time because I'm sick of reading from white men to read any classics. Very true. Very true. We really try to keep as many uh, white men off of our list. (laughs) Yeah, we really do. And I feel like we do a good job of, like, trying to read diverse perspectives and stuff. But it's just hard when, like, you... Uh, with classics when you google when you know the popularity of what you're reading yeah like, and you google yeah. what's an alternative to 1984 and a list with three books come up and they're all written by other white men it's true like it's hard and so we have a list of like a hundred books or something that were written by black authors that are old books like 
I'm talking literally some of these are like the 1000s, like 1003 year. Ooh. So I'm, I'm seeing some classics. I'm going to look into them. I'm going to dive into them and see uh, what we might be able to pull for the podcast. If anybody else has any that they'd like that are classics that are diverse, let us know. Uh, because I, I am sick of this perspective, but I also like classics and think it's important to learn where we came from. That's, that's perfect. That's where I fell on it. But we, like I said, reach out to us. Tell us. Tell us on our social media at baked.and.bookish. I am on Instagram and TikTok as well at maggie.writes. You can find me there. Uh, follow us. Let us know what books we should read. We have some really, really great books coming up as well. What are we reading next, Savannah? Breathe and Count Back from 10 by Natalia Sylvester. I really liked this one. It is a really, really cute YA romance coming of age story, but like the romance really takes like like backseat. Like not even passenger seat, like backseat. And totally. I love it. And so it's a really cute, it's also a disability rep book, uh, and it was written by a woman of color. So that is gonna be a really fun read. I've read it already. It's really cute. I'm gonna reread it. I'm really excited about that one, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for session with us, guys. Bye! Bye!